0: There's no uh, Rose Bowl for us to contend with this New Year's. I think last time we had service on New Year's Day, there was like me and Kristen there. <coughs> we finished up our series in, for those of you who've been with us or maybe you're visiting to bring you up to speed, we finished up our series in First John a couple weeks ago. So the way we typically preach here is expositionally. So we go book by book through the Bible and we go verse by verse through those books. And then once in a while we'll do, um, and and that's in contrast to topically teaching where we don't necessarily go uh, book by book, verse by verse, but you just think of a topic that needs preaching on and then you collect the scripture from all over the Bible to to teach and preach through, through that. And we have no problem with topical sermons, and, and, and we do them and are going to do a series here soon, but it, it's not the norm. We go verse by verse. So we finished up 1 John a couple weeks ago. Uh, we did a, a Christmas deal last week, and then we're, we're scheduled to begin our next series, which is going to be called Respectable Sins, uh, next Sunday. Where we'll begin to preach through for about six to about six weeks, we're going to look at what are these sins in our day and in our culture that are just sort of winked at and and swept under the carpet, but but God takes just as seriously as maybe some sins that we think are are really bad, and so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at those things and talk about things like. Pride and, and, and selfishness and, and gluttony. So it should be fun. <laughs> That's one word. I'm not going to preach on what I originally thought I was going to. Um, it may change next week as well. Just have to see what, what happens this week. But we may delay our next sermon series on respectable sins a, another, another week. I've been preaching for a little over 10 years. Not as long as many, but a while. I've been preaching over 10 years, and in over 10 years of preaching ministry, I've made a point to not allow personal trials or circumstances to navigate where we go in the pulpit on Sunday. So, obviously whatever is going on in my life is going to influence whatever I'm saying on a Sunday... But I've tried to make a point of not letting whatever might be going on in my life determine uh, the text or the topic on any given week. Because I think that's a slippery slope where pretty soon I'm just preaching on what is pertinent to myself while everyone else is staring off into into space. So we've really, um, I've made an effort not to do that. I don't want to deviate from preaching plans that I make uh, to meet my own needs when perhaps the scheduled text is what somebody else in the church needed to hear preached on on a particular Sunday and I also believe that that God knows what's going to happen in my life and in the life of our church when I make that preaching plan months ahead of time so we've experience that as a church where something has been going on especially those of you who are members who maybe have known about something just really deep and painful that we're going through as a a church and then we have not had to deviate from our scheduled text to address that God just in His providence has, has made it so that the very passage we're looking at is, is totally relevant to what we're going through. Well, That's because God, back here when, when I was praying about, okay, what are we going to preach on and where are we going to go? God knew exactly what was going to be happening at the time and, and He ordains all things as He pleases. and So we know that God works that way. So these next two weeks, at least, I think, will be an exception to my own rules. I think that's okay. We're in between sermon series right now, so there isn't a a bunch of collective sermons that are going to be broken. And to be totally frank with you, I have not had time this last week to dig into God's Word for anything other than what I have needed for myself and for my family as we've been going through some things. Just speaking frankly. And so, I'm going to preach today something that's going to be very relevant for me. Um, And I am hoping and praying that that will impassion what I'm saying. And I'm hoping and praying that the rest of you will will also find it helpful. So bear with me today and and, and next Sunday at least. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are master over everything. There is nothing that does not answer to you. There is nothing that, that goes before you. There are no plans apart from You. There is no blessing apart from You. There is no tragedy apart from You. There is no sunshine. There is no rain. You hold everything in Your hands. Help us, Lord, to receive everything that You bring to us with faithfulness. Help us, Lord, to receive from Your hand those things we want from Your hand, and help us to receive from Your hand those things we don't want from Your hand. And pray for the preaching of Your Word today, that it would not fall on deaf ears, but that it would do, as the author of Hebrews talks about, that it would, it would cut us deeply, that it wouldn't just graze our bodies, but it would pierce deeply into our souls, that your Holy Spirit would, would wield this sword of your Word this afternoon, and that it would, it would cause just dramatic change in our lives, that we would, we would not be the same, that we would be different because of the work of your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word. We pray this in the great name of your Son Jesus Christ. Amen. Now well, two things this week. One, I can go into a bit of detail in the and the, the other unfortunately at this time I, I can't go into much detail. So but I want you to understand a bit of what's going on uh, for our family right now. Uh, Kristen, my wife, and uh, Emily have been best friends since they were five years old, long time. And Kristen received a, a call on Thursday of this week that Emily's baby, Gracie Ann, was. Was according to God's good providence not going to be born alive. And so God, in His grace, decided to allow Gracie to bypass the pain of this life and this world. And uh, ushered her into paradise. So good for her, hard for us. And so we uh, put Kristen on a plane Thursday night. And well, God answered so many prayers that I hope you'll hear about in weeks to come. She was able to, to be there. She was able to see and to, and to hold the, the body that God had knit together. Um, the, the vehicle, if you will. That God had chosen to, to carry this precious girl's soul to His arms. She was able to be there. So thankful for that. And as well, I got a couple up here too. I stashed it today, man. Excuse me. And as well, while Kristen was there, we received some uh, potentially devastating news for for our own family. Um, it is something that we're, uh, we're still working through, and for uh, reasons I can't disclose, there is uh, unfortunately just not more that I can share from this uh, venue. Some of you know what's going on, but um, for for good reasons i can't i can't bring all of you into what's going on yet so trust me when i say that uh... i would like to and we will as soon as we can so this has my family in a place where uh... many of you have been or many of you are or many of you will be in this broken fallen world and it's this where you're. You're on this threshold what what looks like you're on this threshold of what looks like will be devastating unprecedented pain for you and for maybe your family. So it's not certain yet. But it looks like God's plan is is moving in that direction. It looks like providence and the the outworking of circumstances is is moving in a direction that, if it gets there, it's going to be a place of of just unprecedented pain, maybe for you or for people that you that you love. It's going to be a place that is going to be devastating but but you're not sure that it's going there but it, it looks like it's going there. And so I want to talk about because I've had to to figure this out and to go to God's Word for myself and for my family. How how do we live in these uncertain hours or these uncertain seasons? For some of you it's hours. For some of you it might be days. For some of you it might be months. For some of you it, it might be years. But But how do we live in these times where... Where, where providence is, is, is unfolding in a way that, that makes it look like the, the, the next chapter in this book is going to be a really dark chapter. So it hasn't happened yet, but, but it looks like things are, are going there. You, you can't look ahead, right, like in a book, and, and see what happens. Some of you are like that. When you're reading a book and you're like, I, I just can't take this. I need to just skip ahead and, and make sure everything 's okay, and then i 'll come back and i 'll read you know you can 't do that in, in your life so so how do i how do I live and if this isn 't happening now it 's happened to you before or it will happen guaranteed how do I live in those uncertain times where where it looks like the next chapter is going to be dark but i just don 't i just don 't know how do I handle the the potential of devastating pain. It's not here yet. The pain hasn't happened yet. It hasn't gone the way that it looks like it might go, but how do I handle myself when there's the potential of devastating pain? So some of you, you know people who, who may die. And, and if they died, that would be that would be devastating for you. But they're they're not dead. So how do you live? How do you live right now? You have relationships that that may end, marriages that that may end, but the relationship hasn't ended, the marriage hasn't ended. It looks like it's moving there. It looks like that next chapter is dark. But but how do I live right now? You have. You have friends who may walk away from Christ. And you feel like the writing is on the wall. But how do you live right now? It hasn't happened yet. How do you live right now? You, you may know people who, who may not give up their addictions, who may not make it out of surgery. So the potential is there, but it hasn't happened yet. How do you live in the meantime? How do you live faithfully in the meantime. How do you bring, as Christians we should ask ourselves this question all the time. Ephesians 5.10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. How do you find out what is, what is going to please the Lord right now in this uncertain time? What do we do? And so a couple things that have been helpful for me. A couple things not to do. But a couple things to do. So I'd want to say that clearly in these uncertain times God makes it clear. I also have a cold so. Double whammy. Win-win. We don't want to assume the future. And this is a trap that we can fall into. Well, it looks like, it looks like things are moving in this direction, but don't assume that you know where God's plan is going. Because when we assume that we know what God is doing, you give up. When we assume that we know what God is doing, we stop praying. When we assume that we know what God is doing, we start to get angry and upset and bitter about things that haven't even happened yet. And some of you have experienced that. You've assumed you knew where things were going. You've gotten all angry and bitter and resentful and God's plan took a turn and went somewhere else. And you were left with the guilt then of jumping the gun and making assumptions and getting worked up and building anger and resentment, sowing seeds of that into your life. And you felt ashamed before God. Because you thought one thing and his plan moved in a completely different direction. So we have to hold on to the truth that no one but God knows his plans. No one but God knows his plans. There is, there is no such thing as a fortune teller. There's no such thing as a fortune teller. God alone knows what He plans to do. Psalm 115.3 Our God is in the heavens and He does whatever He pleases. You and me, we are not in the heavens. Now we want His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, but we don't know what His plan is. We don't know what His purpose is when it comes to the details of our life. We have His revealed will. Obey me, honor me, love me. Fight sin. We have God's revealed will, but we don't don't know how God's plan is going to unfold, and so we mustn't presume that we know what God is going to do. I've thought many times that I would just like a movie trailer for the next year of my life. i not going to give all the details. i still got to live it out. But just an idea of what I can expect to take place. But God does not God does not do that. God does not do that evidently because uncertainty about circumstances and details is apparently a good place. For a Christian to be. Certain. Of salvation. Certain. Of God's love. Certain. Of God's protection. Certain. Of God working for your good. Certain. Of God being glorified. But the details. And the how. It is a good place. For us to be to be uncertain of how those things are going to work out. Because it then forces us, does it not, to cling to God's promises when we can't see how those promises are going to unfold. It requires then, what? Faith. It requires faith. When we don't know how this is... I don't know how you're going to be glorified in this. I don't know how this can possibly be for my good. But I know you will be glorified in this. And I know it will be for my good. I know that. I'm absolutely certain of that. Because that much you have revealed about your will for my life. But uncertainty of how that will take place is a perfect place For a Christian to be. But we don't like that. And so we try to circumvent that. By assuming we know what the future holds. And so as soon as we get enough pieces together. About where we think things are going. We just assume that that's where things are going. Because we would rather be in a place of certainty. And knowing what the future holds. Than just being squirrely and uncertain. And not in control. And so we assume we know where things are going, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm not, I'm not working towards this over here. I'm not praying that God would do something different. I'm becoming laxadaisical in my time with Him because I've just assumed that I know what God is going to do. So if you are on the threshold, or when you are on the threshold of what looks like There's a dark chapter in your life. What looks like a circumstance that will be painful and difficult and, and not where you would think or where you would like, don't stop praying. That's the point. Don't give up. We shouldn't assume the future. We shouldn't and I find myself doing this and being guilty of this. We shouldn't distract ourselves. How do you distract yourself? Maybe a bit seems helpful, healthy? You ever been facing something painful and you just want to check out? How do you check out? Your Video games, movies, alcohol? What do you do to just numb and check out it, it looks like this is where things are going. I, I just I don't want to I don't want to feel this. My my problem is that I am I'm a thinker, and I just can't distract myself. Just my, just, think, just thinking from one thing to the next. I want to be able to just zone out. I don't even know what that feels like. But I wanted to be able to zone out. What I would say, based on God's word, feel it. Feel it. Does God have you in the middle of pain? Do you feel the temptation to just distract yourself and not think about it and numb yourself and and move on to something else? Do you see yourself just trying to evade and avoid? Friends, do you understand that everything in your life, everything is from God's hand? that everything in your life is from God's hand for His good purposes for your life. Don't check out. Feel it. Oh, that's going gonna, gonna to be overwhelming. That's, it's going to you see by nature we don't we don't walk into that room. We want to go somewhere else because that's there's pain there and there's sadness there and there's sorrow there and there's worry there and there's anxiety there and here's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I choose B, not A. I mean, this is you feel that right? That's just you, just your nature. So when that dark chapter, here I am and it looks like things are going, okay, okay, I, just, I just don't want to talk about that. I just, want to, I just want to eat. I want to drink. I want to shop. I just want to do whatever I need to do, but I just don't want to go there and I don't want to think about that. Be, be careful with that because God has you in something because he wants to use the something in your life and don't by checking out of that, check out of what God is working in you because He's promised that what He's working in you, it's what you actually want. It's your good and your best. And it's joy and happiness and satisfaction and contentment. That's, that's what's in it. And so it's, it's very counterintuitive because of our sinful nature, but we don't want to distract ourselves out of that. We want to, we want to welcome it. And, and when the anxiety and when the worry comes, we, we do like First Peter 5 talks about, and we cast, okay, so feel it, and cast it on God. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, cast it on God because He, what does it say? He cares for you. Cares for you. Do you see how God works? God breaks your heart so that He can mend your heart. He brings you something bitter. Because if he didn't bring you something bitter, you would never have the sweeter. (laughs) It's from his hand. Oh, no thank you, God. I choose the movie. Friends, Christians can say this to you. Feel it. And cast it on him. And let him be near to you. And draw you close. So don't assume the future. Don't distract yourself. I hope that will be or is helpful for some of you. What do we do? Just two things. Two things that I'm certain you've heard before. So if you're like on the edge of your seat right now thinking, oh, it's going to be good. I <laughs> we'll hope it'll be good, but it's not going to be innovative or cutting edge. <laughs> well, so what do I do? There's some potential here for a lot of pain. But not yet. How do I live and function? How do I, how do I not shut down? How do I not get fatalistic and assume and, check out. What do I do? Number one, hear from God. We're in those times we need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. Now let me say what we're not saying that is. We need to say this in this age of Strange, kooky, unbiblical mysticism in the church. I'm not saying go home and get in a certain seating position and organize your breathing in a certain way and play the sounds of waterfalls in the background. And hum, and and wait for a still small voice, and wait for God's voice to break through and tell you what you need to hear. That is called unbiblical, lazy listening. Listen. You need to, when you're there, you need to hear from God. And this alone is where you hear from God. God didn't go, okay, creation, okay. Okay, think I'm done. Johnny, I forgot this part. Here you go. Sola Scriptura. God's word alone. So, that's hard work. It's not hard work to pop in sounds of the woods CD and and decide that this voice is God. That's not hard work. It's hard work to search the Scriptures and meditate on the Scriptures because you desperately want to hear from God. So we must hear from God. Psalm 119.47 says... I rise before dawn and cry out for help. That's what we need to do. I'm feeling that these last few days. I need to cry out for help. Rise before dawn and cry out for help. Feel what the psalmist is saying? Cry? We're crying out for God. Help! Help me! I cannot do this. I do not have the strength. I do not have the wherewithal. This is impossible. Help me! Please, help me! I cannot do any of this Without you, I rise before dawn and cry out for help. And then what does it immediately say? I rise before dawn and cry out for help. I hope in your words. So where is the help coming from? The help is coming from God's Word, which we hope in. And so when you're on the threshold of what looks like a dark chapter in your life, you need to hear from God. More than anything else, more than voices, more than your friends, more than your pastor, more than your counselor, more than your psychiatrist, more than your psychologist, you need to hear from God's holy word. Which is, Hebrews 4 tells us. Living and active. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is God's word. So we need to hear from God's word. And then number two. What do I do when I'm in this place? Pray. Pray. You see, prayer is the most important discipline of your Christian life, and also, probably, typically, the most neglected. Discipline in your life. You see what God does when He brings you into uncertainty? He bends your knees. He bows your head. By His grace and mercy, He puts you in a place you need to be. And so when the future is uncertain, we should not assume we know what God is going to do. We should pray that God would give us strength, that God would give us wisdom, that God would uh, enable us, that God would work for our good, that God would sanctify us, absolutely. And we should pray according to what we see unfolding in front of us, we should pray that God would do this. So if it looks like things are unfolding and it looks like it's going in this direction and from everything you can tell, this would be a, a terrible direction and it would, it would not be a good way and it would be a lot of pain and, and devastation and, and people would be hurt, Don't just pray, God, Your will be done. Pray, God, Your will be done and bring Your request in in that posture that says, God, I know that You know better, so I I want Your will to be done here, but God, I'm asking You, please, please, please do this. Plead with Him. He wants us to commune with Him. He wants to hear from us. He wants to answer our prayers. If desires are on your heart and if there is something that you need, there is something that you want, go to your Father and ask Him to move in this way. If the marriage looks like it's going to end, don't assume it's going to end and pray until it ends that God would move and change the direction and change the trajectory, if it looks like the disease has ravaged the body and it's going in a certain direction and death is imminent, don't stop praying that God would move and act and bring comfort or peace or joy or or stop pain or, or heal or cure. Don't stop. Plead with God. You know, there's no one else to plead with at that point. No one else can, can do anything. No one else can change the course. God alone. God alone. So we should plead with them. We should pour out our, our heart to God and say, God, please do this. And don't give up until God makes it clear in His providence that He has said no. This is what is best. Amen. But until God reveals that it's a secret, don't stop pleading with Him. You remember the story of David? Or David, this man after God's own heart, and he commits this grievous sin. Grievous sin. And there are tremendous consequences in his life. And scripture tells us that the, the bitter providence from God's hand for David was that God afflicted his son to death. And so David is on his face and he's praying. And he's praying. It looks like this is what God is going to do. But until God does it, David is on his face praying and pleading with God. And then you remember he sees his servants. And they're like, David's going to lose it. And his son has now died. And like, how are we going to tell him? I mean, he's just been begging and pleading. And now, I mean, he's just going to melt down. And David sees them whispering. You remember in 2 Samuel 12, verse 19, When David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. then David, he throws all of them for a loop. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went into his own house. And when he asked, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, what is this thing that you have done? You fasted and and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and, and ate food. And listen to what David says because it gives us great insight to how do we interact with God in our prayer life when it looks like the next chapter is dark, but we don't know. David says... While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Until God made it clear to David, David pleaded with God that this would be the course that God would take. Are you, have you been, when you are on the threshold of what looks like a dark chapter in your life, when it looks like something devastatingly painful is going to happen, do not cease in your prayers so I want to say this I'm a Calvinist which is shorthand for many things some of which are God is in total control (coughs) which is shorthand for God's plan is not up in the air And everything that happens and unfolds in life, God decided before the foundations of the earth that it would unfold and happen exactly as it unfolds and happens. That God is not in the heavens listening to our prayers and deliberating or figuring out what He's going to do. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. God is not determined to do this, and then, ah, well, these these prayers are really good, and I hadn't thought about this, and and what about that, and I appreciate that, Bob, thank you. And, and And then change, and then change the course. No, everything that happens, God has already determined that it would happen that way. That's what it means, that God is sovereign and in control. And if you've been at Veritas for any period of time, you know that that truth has implications that are more comforting and encouraging than anything. And so we hold dearly to these truths. That is not a hard pill for us to swallow. It is a glorious pill for us to swallow. But unfortunately, that can lead some Calvinists to be pitiful prayers. And it goes like this, well if in a few days this could happen and that's going to be painful and that's going to be wrong and from what I can see bad, so I'm going to pray that this would happen, well wait a minute, if it's already planned what's going to take place and, and God's not deliberating and I'm not going to be able to change his mind, then, and this is where people go, then what is the point? Where is the power of my prayer? And many of you, and I was raised to think that the power of my prayer was God is in deliberation over everything and my prayers can change His mind and change His plans and move Him in a different direction. And so if I believe that this is already, the path is already marked out, that it is is predetermined what is going to take place in the future, then why would I ever Pray about that. If it's not up in the air, what is the point of praying? So I want to say a couple things quickly. One, we don't know. We don't know what God's chosen outcome is. Is it already determined? Yes, it is. God is not evolving with us. But do we know what that plan is? We do not know what that plan is. But the second thing that I think we need to grasp is the power of prayer is that prayer is God's means for fulfilling His purposes. Has God decided what He's going to do? Yes. God has also decided that the means to doing what He's going to do will be answering the prayers of His people. The outcome is predetermined. So are the prayers of His people. I should should just blow the top off for you. Just meditate on that. Meditate on God's grace in bringing us into the unfolding of His will. I mean, there's no power of man there. It cuts that right out. What you want cut out but it is God's grace. So when it unfolds, bitter or sweet, have you had it unfold sweetly? Have you had it unfold sweetly? Have you prayed that it would go this way and it went this way? Have you then held tightly to God's Word and known that God had already decided that this is what He was going to do, but He also decided that He was going to prompt you to pray and to cry out to Him so that He could show you that He answers your prayers. So that He could bring you into the unfolding of His story. So that you could have rock-solid certainty that He loves you and hears you and listens to you. This is the glory of God. And if we don't pray, because, well, if it's not up in the air, what's the point? That is not, that is not Christian thinking. That is not biblical thinking. That is man-centered, what's in it for me thinking. Pray you may just find that your prayers were God's means to unfolding His purposes. So when God's course takes predetermined yet unpredictable turns, you hear those two words? So when God's course takes Unpredictable turns. It looks like it's going to go this way, but it's gone this way. Unpredictable yet predetermined. So unpredictable, surprising you. You ever been surprised by God? Not what I would have expected. Okay, but it didn't surprise God. He didn't wake up that morning, drink a Red Bull and say, I'm going to do this. I wasn't planning on it, but I'm. it was predetermined. But from our vantage point, oh my gosh! you to be kidding me. I didn't think this was Possible. This is, this is totally a miracle. And he decided back here to do that miracle and he prompted you to pray so that a part of what witnessing this miracle would not just be seeing the miracle, but knowing that God was working in you and responding to your heart and your desires to bring this about. So... When God's course takes predetermined yet unpredictable turns, do we understand that He has planned to do that in response to prayer? Do we get that and do we pray? And then last and and brief, forgot I added this. And you know this is where it has to go. So, Lord, these unique times where I'm not in the pain yet, but it it looks like it's coming. Lord, help me not to check out. Help me not to assume I know where things are going. May I hear Your Word and be nourished by Your Word. May May I pray diligently. Pray diligently until the buzzer sounds. I think God's Word would teach us also that this all is wrapped in believing the Gospel. Believing the Gospel is not just what you did to become a Christian. Believing the Gospel is what you do to be a Christian. Over and over and over again. Martin Luther described the Gospel as a hammer. And he said, I want to beat it on the head of Christians over and over and over again. And we need that. We need that. We need to be hit in the head with the gospel over and over again. The gospel is not something that somebody just loaded into their evangelism gun. Oh, gospel. (laughs) Christian. And I move on to bigger and better things. No, the Gospel is the bigger and better thing. Believe the Gospel. You have to believe the Gospel. You can't hear from God's Word. You you cannot pray to Him. You cannot stay tuned in and feel it. You cannot bear the weight. You cannot do any of that unless you believe the Gospel. Unless you believe that Jesus Christ came, lived, and died. Unless you believe that Jesus was the propitiation for your sins. He was the wrath-bearing sacrifice, that He removed the, the wrath of God and changed your relationship with God to where you now have bold access to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4 teaches us. That Jesus died in your place, that Jesus was resurrected, and He was resurrected so that He could go to be with the Father and to be at his right hand as your advocate Christian. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that if you're a Christian, right now you have an accuser. And he is Satan. And he is accusing you, the Bible says, day and night. He's accusing you to God. This person is trash. You've got to be kidding me. Look at them. Look at what they thought. Look at what they did. Look at what they're doing. Look at where they've been. Trash. Garbage. But across, if you will, from the accuser, Christian is your advocate. And and who is your advocate? (laughs) Your advocate is God. God... Your advocate to God. Well, where do I fit into this? Brothers and sisters, recipients. It's recipients. You, you just are the lavished on one. Well, what's my role? What did I do? and what, what trigger did I pull? And, and how, how, what about my good? Oh, it's just all from God to God, through God. God's your advocate. Well, he's, he's my advocate to, to God. Well, who am I in trouble with because of my sin? God. Well, who's going to save me from that? God. Who dies for me? God. Who does God save me from? God. Who advocates for me now? God. Who does he advocate to? God. Well, what's my role here? Oh, just sit back and look at his glory. That's what God is up to. Being glorified. But ultimately you and I would sit back and just go, wow, are you kidding me? This loved, this accepted, this cherished. You cannot make it through any of the pain and any of the suffering and any of the tragedy in this world unless you hold tightly to the truth of the Gospel. So friends, that's what I'm doing this week. I encourage you to do that too. I'll pray and then we will get to the point of our service that we're always looking forward to and we'll share communion together. We have bread and we have juice. Symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we remember together His sacrifice in our place. And if you are a believer, believer, you believe that gospel and if you have placed your faith in the finished work of of Jesus Christ and He is your Lord and He is your Savior and He is your treasure, this meal is for you. If you believe that, you've not only been united to Christ, but you've been united to His body and you are committed to and serving faithfully in a body of Christ, then you're welcome to share this meal with us. So come and take the bread and the juice back to your seat and we'll take it together. Our Father in Heaven, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your peace. Thank You for the comfort that that You bring supernaturally, God, by Your Holy Spirit. God, we... We thank you that we can be such a peculiar people as Christians that we can finish a week of hell and we can look up to heaven content and satisfied and with a joy that sinks deeper than all the pain. Thank you that your grace and your mercy is abiding. The pain and the suffering will not abide. But your love will abide. Thank you for this truth, God. We do because you have loved us first. Love you. We give you all praise this afternoon. All glory. All honor. We pray this in the precious and good name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.